Welcome to Vision of Zion. This is going to be a special episode, or what we call an extra episode. And this is episode or special episode or extra number three. And we've been talking the past few episodes with Sean White about his near death, or we might, some of us might call it an out of body experience. And we're going to continue in that vein and see what we can glean from others who have had similar experiences. Now, this particular out of body experience has been known to me for approximately 35 years. I'm going to call my guest by a pseudonym, Jane. The reason for that is to not detract from the message and to focus on the message and not the person. So first of all, I'd like to welcome Jane. Hi, Jane. How are you? Welcome to the program. Oh, hi. Thank you. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you. Thanks for your willingness to join in this program today. Uh, just for my listeners, again, I want to mention that I've known Jane for 35 years. I met her when I was attending Brigham Young University. This particular episode is geared more towards members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because we're going to get into deeper topics and doctrines and if not doctrines, also uh, observations about future events in the last days as seen from Jane's point of view. And she has some really important things to talk about with respect to the pre-mortal existence. The pre-mortal existence has been brought up now on a few occasions and Jane has a very interesting and unique perspective. Uh, Jane, would it be fair to say that your out-of-body experience focused quite a bit on your pre-mortal existence? Absolutely. For those who have... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're fine. I was going to say, why don't you describe a little bit for our listeners something about your near-death experience or what I'm going to call an out-of-body experience. And the reason for that, of course, is because of the age at which it occurred, known to me. But why don't you start from the beginning and talk about the setting and the experience that occurred, and then I'll ask some questions, okay? Okay. First of all, I'd like to state that I was very, very young when this event occurred. And I term it as an out-of-body experience, not a near-death experience, because to my knowledge, uh, I was not involved in any accident, and I didn't have any known illness at the time. I was just very young. At the time, I was taken to a babysitter as a toddler while my mother worked. Um, I had been uh, born into a family in which we didn't have any religious affiliation of any kind, per se. Uh, I didn't have any indoctrination of of any faith, although my family basically came from a Christian background. They weren't active in any church. The extent of my background was maybe on a couple occasions going with some of my aunts to a local church in a small town 
maybe half a dozen times and going to a Sunday school nursery. And my only exposure basically was learning the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, and playing with the children and dolls and that kind of thing. Can you give our listeners some idea of how old you were when this occurred, as yes. best as you can recall? Um, yes, I do know that this occurred. I was probably between, remarkably, between two and a half and three and a half years old. I do know that it occurred before December of 1960, because at the time that I was going to this babysitter, we lived at a home on Burma Road. And in December of 1960, in the middle of a snowstorm, my parents bought a house and moved to a different location that was located on Ash Street. So I do know that that is a time marker and it did occur before December of 1960. Um, I was born in 1957, so I was very, very young. So let's clarify this real quickly. You, you've distinguished like I have, and maybe we did this together over the years. A near-death experience is when someone has either been sick or seriously injured and their spirit leaves their body. Uh, Sean White, who I had on the program, talked about being beaten by his father, thinking he was going to die. But he also practiced, uh, you know, I can't remember the term now, where he tries to kill himself through controlling his breathing and things like that. So his wasn't quite out of body, excuse me, near death experience, but it was definitely, uh, you know, born of trauma. Now, in your case, at your age, were you suffering from, there was no illness and there was no physical injury, correct? No, it was just a normal day, and I was in the care of a babysitter, like I said, when my, my, while my mother worked. I can remember that the babysitter was, her name was Gloria, and she was in the kitchen cooking. I think she was preparing lunch for the children. I'm not quite sure. But I had to go and uh, go in another room. And so I walked from the kitchen through the dining room and into the living room. And I can remember this living room very distinctly. Uh, it had hardwood floors. There was a fireplace in the middle on the outside wall and white bookcases on each side, a base sofa and sort of a celery and uh, light aqua color chairs in the living room. And basically I was walking through the living room to go to what I thought was going route to go and use the restroom. As I walked through the living room, I passed out, blacked out totally, for no reason known to me. The next thing I knew, I was going through, as many have described, a very uh, dark tunnel. It was as if my conscience was aware, but I couldn't see anything, feel anything. It was like as I was hurling in space through this dark tunnel, and the only thing I, I couldn't see or get any bearings of anything as far as geospatial location, other than this deafening sound that sounded like a locomotive train engine. And I thought, I thought to myself, I don't know what's going on, but maybe I'm doomed. The next thing I knew <clears throat> as I hurled through this tunnel, there was this light. And I kept being propelled towards this light. 
because that's the only bearing of the location where I knew where to go. And I proceeded forward. And in front of me was this huge marble staircase. I really couldn't see anything around me other than atmosphere on each side of the staircase were legions of angels. All of a sudden, I found myself at the staircase. It was sort of like it was in the clouds, and there were angels all around me, and I was ascending this staircase. And as I got to the top of the staircase, there was a, a glass, almost like a glass floor or a landing. Did this seem like a familiar place, or was this completely new to you, this environment you were now in? No, I, what I knew was that basically it was home and in front of me at the end of this landing was a throne upon which the Savior sat. Okay. Uh, One question I maybe should have asked at the last podcast with Sean is when you saw angels I'm not sure if he ever said he saw angels, but he saw, you know, people that were, um, had passed on. Did any, did angels, do angels have wings? I guess that's what I wanted to ask for just to maybe ask a blunt question. No, this is my understanding. When the painters of the, of the um, middle ages tried to depict in their art that a person was an angel. What they actually were trying to paint, according to the techniques they had available at the time, was basically trying to depict the light or the aura that surrounds these beings. So instead of being wings, what it actually is is the light that emanates from these individuals, the light they give off. And so angels don't have wings. What you actually see in art is the depiction of the light emits or radiates from them okay so they take look us back. Like- please i'm sorry go ahead take us back to the staircase now that you where you were where you uh saw some familiar things at the top of the staircase when i looked towards the throne i was absolutely overwhelmed to the point I fell to my knees. What I felt was this permeating love that wrapped around me like a heavy welter comforter and it permeated through me and it was so powerful and so overwhelming that I started to equivalent emotionally to cry. It was the most peaceful feeling and the most overwhelming, powerful feeling of love that it was almost crushing, that it drove you to the earth. And I knew that this love came from and emanated from the Savior. And I knew that he felt this way about everyone. It wasn't unique to me. Let me ask you a question here. When Sean had his 
out-of-body experience, it seemed like people did not expect him to be there, that they came running from some other place like a grandfather or an uncle or a, a grand great-grandmother. They came running when he when he came and were saying, uh, I did, why are you back so soon? Things like that. It sounds to me, from what you're describing, because you were basically, I'm going to assume you were simply called out of your body, and there were already people who had been uh, called to greet you when you got there. Is that was that fair? Is that a fair statement? Yes, I I did not recognize anybody I knew except for the Savior himself, but they all seemed to know who I was. And were like were, were they waiting for you, or did you just happen to land into the situation? No, they were waiting there, standing around, waiting as, as, as I actually arrived. Okay. I did notice to my left that next to me, when I looked to my left, there was a man there. He was not dressed like the rest of them. He was very gaunt. Thin, had kind of stringy, um, medium brown hair. And my understanding was that he was my escort to be with me during this time. And, and, and as I proceeded forward, and it was at that time, um, I was told that I was going to be shown many things. And basically, he stood by my side. Now, I don't know if the things, um, if he was given the authority to reveal these things to me, or if it was the Savior himself or a combination, it was as if I was surrounded by a 360-degree interior, as if you were in the inside of an IMAX theater, and you had visual images all the way around you, as if you were in the middle of a globe. I could see all around me. And I was told as I was different things, whether I was supposed to turn north or east or west or south in different directions to to be able to be shown different vistas of of things that that they wanted to instruct me. Did you see this guide or escort with you as soon as you appeared on, on the other side of the veil? I don't recall him there until I got to the landing and then when I got to the landing I knew he was there and I knew that he had been the person um, that was to be my escort and who helped come and get me and bring me to the place where I currently was and the impression I got in my mind that this person was John the Revelator. All right so my fourth great-grandfather Alfred Douglas Young also had an escort or a messenger or a guide when he went to the other side of the veil. We know that in the visions of Nephi, he had an angel or guide with him. This seems to be a pattern. I don't recall asking Sean if he had a guide. But you're describing actually being there, and then there was this also like an Omnimax-type screen where you could turn different directions to observe the yeah. things they wanted to relate to you. Am I saying that, saying that correctly? Absolutely correct. Okay. Uh, was that the first thing that you can talk about that they did when you ascended the stairs? Um, you don't recognize the angels per se, 
did you who did you recognize no. other than your guide? Only this only the savior and my guide at that point. Can you describe the savior for us? Yeah. He was dressed in white robes. He looked, um, he had this woolly hair and beard. His skin was sort of bronzy tone. He looked as this equivalent, what you might say to somebody an earth equivalent it was very brawny or buff looking very very defined chiseled jaw line very distinctive but the thing that mainly mainly really struck me about him were his eyes his eyes were incredible mixture of various colors of blue aquamarine, teals, royal blue. They were literally like pools of water and deep, deep compassion mm. to the point that it was almost like almost hypnotic. The intensity and depth of the love that emanated from his eyes were just absolutely overwhelming and stunning. I want to tell you just a, a quick... Go ahead, please. They, it was literally just to leave you awestruck. When my daughter, my oldest daughter, was about three years old, she was coloring uh, a she was drawing a picture a picture of a of a man, and she was taking uh, crayons and she was drawing in the eyes, like where the pupils are or the iris is. And she like would grab different colors. She would color with a blue or a purple and they began to get dark. And I said to her, why are you coloring the eyes like that? She said something to the effect of, well, this is a picture of Jesus. And in his eyes are all the colors of the rainbow. Yep. That was three years old. I'll never forget that profound statement and we're going to talk about children having experiences that are prophesied about but please go ahead and continue with your description i just wanted to throw that in okay i wasn't i don't recall everything i was shown is exact sequential order and i will explain why okay i have to kind of skip ahead a little bit I was there for a period of time, and I don't know how long I was there, how long I was out of my body. I was shown many, many things, and, and it was a lot of people when they're shown a, a life review when they leave their body or, or become deceased. Because I had only been on Earth for a very short time, for me, I was given a very intensive review of my pre-mortal um, existence sort of some key things that were going to play in um, during my life as a mortal. 
some challenges I would face and some of the major events that might occur on the earth and then later um, some things into the future. I do have to say one thing and I want to, I just kind of want to skip ahead a minute to tell you this. I was basically given an overview of, of what my life mission was going to be and that I was going to be sent back. And because of this overwhelming power and love that I felt from the Savior, I didn't want to come back. I begged not to come back. I wanted to stay because of that love that I felt and the peace. But I told, was told it wasn't a choice in the matter for me that I had to go back and I had to fulfill a mission that I had previously covenanted to, to do and to fulfill. And this was to fill me in to help me accomplish that mission. And I was going to be sent back into my body. Was this the message that was being communicated by the savior to you or from your guide or who the savior specifically by the savior. And I'll get into all the little bit more details of what I saw and heard or later called to my memory in a little bit. But I want you to understand how do I know I was out of my body and not just dreaming. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, Okay. Or just fantasizing or hallucinating or whatever. I was born six weeks premature. My mother had developed toxemia and diabetes complication so I was taken very early six weeks premature and at that time they didn't have all the medical advances that they have now and I was put in a an incubator for six weeks clinging to life because I had what was called a hyaline membrane condition um, maybe basically a membrane and water around my lungs they didn't know if I was going to survive also when I was born um, I was born with what was considered a, a very severe form of having an equivalent of what's called a club foot, a quinovirus variety. And my, my foot was extremely twisted and I was actually missing uh, at least one of the muscles, major muscles in the calf of my leg. So for the first 10 years of my life, um, I went through many, many surgeries and had to wear braces equivalent to what, what people might Think about the braces in the movie Forrest Gump, the, the, the braces that Forrest wore. Right. I wore very simple casts for the first 10 years of my life, learning how to walk and get my foot and leg straightened out enough so that I could walk and not be lame my entire life. The reason I know that I was out of my body is this. When I had to go back into my body for my spirit to go back into my body, I can remember the excruciating physical pain of my perfectly formed spirit body being crammed into this body on the earth and trying to fit my spiritual leg inside the mortal frame or body leg that was twisted and how painful it was to try to cram my spiritual body into a mortal body to fit that confined space. Wow. It was physically painful. While your spirit was while your spirit was out of your body, did you see your body lying on the ground? That was something that Sean mentioned. I've read that in many other accounts as well. Yes, I did see my body on the ground. I was told or shown that 
when I left my body, there was, so I don't know what it was consisted or made of, but the thing I can relate to it the best is, is imagine a long string of elastic that's very like it, it, it stretches. There was something attached from my spirit to my body, like a long elastic cord that went for miles and miles and miles and miles. Mm. And as long as that cord was attached to my physical body, I would be able to be able to return to it and being alive. I was told that if that cord was severed, I would not be able to physically return to my mortal body. When I returned to my mortal body, I came to and I was awoken and laying on the floor. And I was like a literally exhausted, limp dish rag. I was so weak, I could not under utter a sound. I couldn't move a finger. I couldn't move my arm. I couldn't lift a hair of my head. And I was just laying there drenched in sweat. And I don't know how long I laid there, but after a period of time, I heard a voice say to me that the memories of these things were going to be sealed up to help me so that I could cope with what I had just gone through. And that when I was 23 years old, the time would come that I would begin to remember them. That I was, for that time of period, to tell no one anything about these things until this time I began to remember them. And then I would be given further instruction when and where I'd be granted permission to share any of all these things. 